Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Do you want a bra that's sexy or a bra that's comfortable? Thanks to Third Love, you can have both. Third Love was started to take all the frustration, ick, and ugh out of bra shopping. That's why they make solutions for every bra problem, aka problems. Their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school, get smoothing, you know where, and have straps that actually stay put. Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made from premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. Comfort and support are guaranteed. Plus, whether you're a double A cup or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. They even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit. It's time to get your problem solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get $15 off your order with code PODCAST15. Summer is here. Pack your bag with sunscreen, your emotional sport water bottle, and that steamy beach read. But wait, don't stop there. This year, there's a new kind of essential that's right at your fingertips. Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, spicy audio stories. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. Discover stories about second chance romances, adventurous vacation flings, and hot and heavy hookups. And there's a growing library of fantasy series with werewolves, Greek gods, goddesses, Regency-era historical fiction, and fairy smut. To explore the bounds of your pleasure, new content is released every week. So in between listening to your favorite stories again and again, you can always find something new to explore. Dipsy offers a modern approach to romance through high quality and captivating audio fiction. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash pantsuit. Dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. America is having a very intense conversation about guns. And Spaceship Media is looking to foster all types of conversations with its new project, The Many. This is Sarah from the left. And Beth from the right. You're listening to Pantsuit Politics. No shouting, no insults, plenty of nuance. Y'all, Beth is on the road. That's why she sounds um, far away. We're just recording over Skype. She is home um, visiting her mom. So just FYI, that's why the sound sounds a little different today. Yes, I took a picture of where I am sitting to do this, and we'll post it on social media. But you will see that I am I, I am in the country. I am <laughs> on the farm. So thank you for your patience with my audio. So today we're going to talk about the listening session, the town hall, the social media, and all the places America is currently talking about guns. And we're also going to chat with Jeremy Hay and Eve Perlman about their new project, The Mini. 
Well, I haven't gotten to watch as much as I would like to watch of the town hall and the listening session. What I have seen has been both encouraging and maddening. That would be my summary. I mean, let's start with the town hall because that my husband came in before we we've been meditating in the morning and he sat down and said, did you see the town hall and like started going through the scene and stuff? And I'm like, this is not good meditation prep. Any sentence that involves CNN and town hall is not good meditation prep. But I did dive in after um, later this morning and I'm going to say something, you know, Senator Nelson said it, but it was very brutal in parts. And I'm going to give props to Marco Rubio to stepping into what all intents and purposes looked like a boxing ring with this huge arena around him and facing a crowd he knew was going to be angry with him. And we need more of that. And I think that that is a big takeaway. Did I love every answer he gave? No, but Marco Rubio is a human being, not a checklist or a product. And I think he did his part as a human being in that town hall. I had this really interesting email exchange with a listener about our conversations about Me Too. And she's a listener who I think we just have a lot of life experiences in common. And she was talking about the discussion she's been having with her husband about Me Too. And as we were, as I was reading her email and responding, I realized that she's having a lot of the same conversations in her house that I am in mine, and that Chad and I don't have like these long, dramatic conversations where we hash everything out and then we're on the same page. It is an incremental process, right? It's a series of small discussions where you know what you've accomplished for the moment and then you come back later when you're in the frame of mind to accomplish more. And I think that's what we have to realize. Like, as as much as it would feel good in a movie kind of way to have this high school student say, Senator Rubio, promise you're never going to take another dollar for the NRA. That's not how change is made, really. Uh, good for that student for saying it, but we can't expect Marco Rubio to suddenly know how to handle this perfectly mm-hmm. and to reverse positions that he's held for a very long time. And and I think we have to be okay with one step and then another step and then another. Yeah. And that's what these conversations are about. And I know that they're intense and they're dramatic, and I think that's fine. I don't – I kind of bristle – at the, well, we all need to take the emotion out of this. Why? Why do we need to do we that? We don't. Yeah. Um, I don't want to do that, first of all. I don't think that's realistic. I don't think anybody does that. I am such a hardcore um, convert now after our book club read, Jonathan Heights, The Righteous Mind, that even when we think we're being logical, we are driven by our emotions. And so um, emotions are data, not necessarily direction. I think they need to be put in their spot, but I don't think they have a spot in the conversation, I guess is what I'm saying. And so, you know, I think that if we burn out too quickly, that's a problem. So I'm not saying that we should just go all in, but I think that that wanting that moment can lead to burnout. And what I, I am so encouraged by the fact that our country is having such hard conversations together, whether them be about guns, whether they be about Me Too. And I'm going to say something that some of you might disagree with. (laughs) But I truly believe, in part, I think there were a lot of things that got us up to this moment, but in part, the fact that we are just raw with each other and honest and just putting it all on the table 
is thanks to Donald Trump. Now, I'm not going to call it leadership, but I might call it an example, a bad one a lot of the time. But this just the rawness and the authenticity in America's current political conversations is such a breath of fresh air. And I have to believe that having someone so raw in many, many bad ways, I'm not saying that the way he exhibits this is a good thing, but I do think it's partly the impetus for all these amazing moments we're having as Americans right now. Well, whatever we want to say about Donald Trump, there is complexity with him. And it is an undeniable, unavoidable complexity. I had this long conversation with my parents last night about the violence that's happening in schools and what what we could all in our living room agree to about guns. Mm. And and then we started talking about Donald Trump. And my parents are particularly conflicted about Donald Trump because of things that his administration has done that have been very helpful to agriculture. And that's important in my family and, and just a big deal in our house. And they talked about some very specific and direct things that the administration has done. And they, and they are careful to give credit to the administration. They understand that Donald Trump wouldn't be able to participate in this conversation, right? Mm-hmm. But, but they appreciate the progress that, that, that they feel on agriculture from this president, yet they, they are horrified by his behavior. And, and so it forces, my point is just that even if you were, even the most ardent of Trump supporters seem to be able, at least on occasion, to acknowledge how problematic he is. Mm -hmm. And I think that is new. I think that being looking at someone and saying this really isn't a hero in a pure sense to me is new. And I think it's important for those of us who are not fans of the president to be able to acknowledge, you know, the things that aren't totally villainous from him either. And so if we can all sit with that, like that goes a long way toward the conversation on gun violence mm-hmm. to understand that people are not, we can't just put labels on people. You're black and you're white. You're, you're a good guy with a gun. You're a bad guy with a bun. You are crazy. You are sane. Like we can't do that. That's not what this conversation is. Well, and I just think in both the town halls, you know, in the the presence at the state legislators and in the listening session at the White House, there was just such an authenticity to the exchanges for me that this wasn't and I don't mean like something very different than what you saw, like Jimmy Kimmel did with the DACA critics. Like it didn't feel like people parroting position points. It didn't feel right. like people um Getting like assume it didn't feel like people assuming a position. It felt like people showing up where they were, and I just thought that was so powerful. And I'm including Marco Rubio in that statement. Like he was still a yeah. politician and he was still careful. And I understand that you know all the politicians in Florida. I can't imagine what the energy in that state is like right now, especially at the state legislature. But I'm here for it. Like just let's just look at each other and be like, I don't know, guys. I'm trying. I care. I think I might have screwed this up. Like, I felt that. And I think that's so I even again, God save me. I even felt a little bit of that from Donald Trump in the listening session. Now, let me say this. I don't know why the cameras were there. I don't know why being losing a family member a week ago and being in the White House in front of the president isn't enough pressure that we needed to invite the cameras. Um, Sure would have saved his dumb butt from seeing having all the notes of. 
I hear you from being exposed to the media. I mean, what an embarrassment. What an embarrassment that the president has to write down, I hear you. Okay, but whatever. I don't, He didn't even write that down. Somebody else did. I do believe that that man, um, for all his flaws and for his intense narcissism, is not an entirely and total psychopath. Like, I do think he can connect with people in his very stunted way. And I am encouraged because I think it's hard for him. I think it was hard for him to sit and listen to those people and not be able to protect himself in the way that from unpopular or hard things. But I think like in a lot of ways, he's an emotional guy. I mean, even as terrible as his reaction to the Central Park episode was, like you could see his emotion in them, right? Like he wants to fix it. He wants to be the guy who like sees something terrible. You can even see it when he talks about like that's why he gets so riled up about the people whose family members have been harmed by undocumented immigrants. Like you can see it there too, right? Like he has a he has some emotion, emotional capacity to him. And so I think it's good that he had to sit with those people and listen that one father. Oh my god. He just when he was, I'm, I'm so pissed. Now I go see my daughter at the cemetery. Like you, no human being could sit in a room with that man and his emotion and not feel that. And he's not my favorite human, but I do believe Donald Trump is a human. And I just, I think that that was so intense and so good for him to witness. I hope it will, you know, the problem is it's all about the last person that talks to him. And I don't know how impactful that will when, you know, Stephen Miller or somebody gets in his face and says, you can't upset your base, blah, blah, blah. But I, I mean, I think it happened in that moment. And that's something. I think we need to all be really careful about the language of fix it, mm-hmm. because I don't think anybody is asking for someone to fix it in the sense of there will never be another school shooting. Yeah. Now, we all wish that were the case. But I feel like when you start using language like fix it, it feeds into the same kind of toxicity that created this mess. And it it lends credence to the arguments of, well, that won't work 100%, so let's not do it. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of things that won't work 100% and we should still do. And I feel like when I hear really ardent Second Amendment defenders saying, look, look you, could, you could do X, Y, and Z and this could still happen, I always want to say yes. That is true. And no one is asking for a guarantee. Mm-hmm. That's not what anybody's asking for. Mm-hmm. What everyone's asking for is let's make it harder. Let's make it less likely. We would love to show you lots of data about this, but you haven't allowed us to collect it for a very long time. Let's mm-hmm. collect that data. Let's study guns in America. Mm-hmm. So I just, I don't want Donald Trump to cowboy up about this. Yeah. I, I want either. him to settle down. I want him to be heartbroken. I want us to all be willing to to just be here and be heartbroken mm-hmm. together and slowly and and with some tenderness for each other just start to do better one piece of legislation at a time and one um moment of reaching out to someone who seems lonely and lost that we wouldn't have before at a time, because there is more to this than gun legislation. That is a huge part of it. And it is not the only part. Mm -hmm. And if we have the president out there saying, well, what we need is, you know, basically taking our special forces to the classroom and that's going to solve it. No, that's not going to solve it. And, And we're not living in a video game and we need to stop that. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. 
This year is going by so quickly, and I had a little bit of a moment of panic about it this week. I thought to myself, I'm losing track of time. It's going so fast. It's going to be December before I know it. My kids are growing up, and I just kind of was spinning out. And I stopped, and I closed my eyes, and I pictured my last therapist, who I haven't seen since the end of 2020. But I remember the way he talked me through these issues, and I sort of channeled his energy I put my feet on the ground and thought, this is just how time feels now. And there's nothing wrong with that or right about it. It just is. But those skills that I learned in therapy are so important to helping me take a second to celebrate what's going right and decide what I want to adjust for the rest of the year. If you're thinking of starting therapy, which I cannot recommend enough, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Take a moment. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Pantsuit today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Pantsuit. Summer is here. Pack your bag with sunscreen, your emotional sport water bottle, and that steamy beet treat. But wait, don't stop there. This year, there's a new kind of essential that's right at your fingertips. Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, spicy audio stories. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. Discover stories about second chance romances, adventurous vacation flings, and hot and heavy hookups. And there's a growing library of fantasy series with werewolves, Greek gods, goddesses, Regency-era historical fiction, and fairy smut. To explore the bounds of your pleasure, new content is released every week. So in between listening to your favorite stories again and again, you can always find something new to explore. Dipsy offers a modern approach to romance through high quality and captivating audio fiction. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash pantsuit. Dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. The second most stressful thing after planning a trip is packing for it. This is true. This is a true story. I have just told you the clothes I have don't fit. They don't go together the way I want them to. I'm missing some essential piece. And then I discovered Quince. It's my go-to for high-quality vacation essentials. Like this premium European linen dress that's going to get us all through the heat wherever we're traveling. Blouses and shorts from $30. Washable silk tops, premium luggage options, and so much more. All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than their similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to all of us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I got big plans for my Quince chiffon pleated skirt in Japan. They like a loose, flowy look over there to battle the heat. I will be adopting that strategy with that skirt. Pack your bags with high quality essentials from Quince. Go to quince.com slash pantsuit for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash pantsuit to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash pantsuit. Okay, so that's a good transition into what the conversations got wrong, which I think we also need to talk about. Um, Dana, what's her name from NRA? You're not helpful. You and your terribly offensive language when talking about the shooter or the mentally people with mental illness. Girlfriend, hush your mouth. This, again, the so much of the, the redhead, white hat that still exists in this 
will just come in and save the day and shut it down and protect, protect, protect is so harmful and unnecessary and ridiculous. I don't even know where to start. I don't understand why or when so many people started adopting condescension as a persona. Mm. But that's that's what I feel from Dana Lash, just this this defensiveness and this sense that I'm only doing my job if I'm talking to everyone else like they're stupid. Mm -hmm. Now, I understand that she gets death threats. She gets harassed. I have seen the things that people say to her on social media, and she doesn't deserve that either. And I believe her when she says she doesn't want these children to die. I don't question that for a second. It would be a lot easier to have a reasonable conversation about where your rights as a gun owner end and society's rights begin and where society's rights end and your rights as a gun owner begin, if you could just kind of drop the defensiveness and the condescension and and be here with us. Because I, I just feel so much separation from her. And while I have empathy about where that separation springs from, I just wish I could like get in a room with her and beg her to stop. I need everyone, particularly the NRA, to stop with the slippery slope. Does everyone in America realize that slippery slope is an illogical argument? It's a logical fallacy. Are we all on board with that? I'm not sure we are because people say that as if it's an argument. They'll say, well, it's a slippery slope. No, no, no. Stop. That's a logical fallacy. Why do people do that? It's fair, I think, to say if A, then B, then C, and here's how this could unfold. What is not fair is to have no trust for your fellow humans to be able to exercise any level of judgment. Yeah, it just it, it wears me done. out. It's like, well, if you take if you um, if you limit assault rifles, well, then what's next? Nothing. Just assault rifles. Nothing is next. Well, it's a slippery slope. Then you'll just be registering on my guns and taking them away. No, stop. And it seems particularly that's – look, but I will say this. Both sides do it. It's, well, if we let teachers have guns, which is a stupid idea, then, you know, how long before kids are dying accidentally? All the ki- Basically, all the kids will be dead of, dead of accidental deaths. Like, that'll just be ridiculous, too. Like, let's all – everybody stop doing that. Please. I'm begging you. Please don't do that. A, then B, then C. Sometimes not. Sometimes A, then B, then E, then F. Then Z, then Y. Like just, and we all live in a Donald Trump presidency. I think we should all understand that things out of the order in which people perceive them to happen, happen. Like, let that go. Another thing that I think we need to be careful about is seeing, and this is, I think, related, seeing everything in a false dichotomy sense. Let's mm-hmm. just go through all the logical fallacies today. I have been reading um, Facebook posts mostly. This is why I don't particularly like Facebook, but I'm trying not to avoid anything right now. I'm trying to do as you counsel frequently leaning into the suck right now <laughs> in every way. So I have been seeing these posts about the, the high school walkouts and the way that high school students are speaking and this sort of sense of, you know, Better parenting would solve these problems. We wouldn't have kids walking into schools with guns, and we wouldn't have mouthy kids on television, and we wouldn't have kids who think they can skip school. And there's just this, again, kind of a persona defined by condescension coming out in full force about the relationships that parents have with their children. It is not the case 
that we have anarchy or order mm. and there's nothing in between. And I, I love, I love Nick Offerman. I always have. He's a lot like my husband, to be honest with you. And I think that's part of why I adore him so much. Um, I saw this post where he was responding to someone who said, like, what would you do if your kid talked to a U.S. senator that way? And Nick Offerman was like, I would grill him the finest steak he ever apprehended. <laughs> like, because you're supposed to participate in this way, in the civic process. And I, one of the things I want to mention on a local Facebook page where it feels like people in, in my home county are um, in this really intense discussion about arming teachers. There is a very active group in the county where I live trying to put a program in place that would allow teachers to voluntarily conceal carry in our schools and a very active opposition to that group. And, and to people's credit, they are going hundreds of comments deep trying to hash this out, and some in very productive ways, which is unusual on pages like that. But they were having a discussion about the school walkouts, and, you know, I would never allow my kid to do this. I would totally support my kid in doing this. And one person interjected and said, hey, I don't know if you guys know, but a principal in our area heard about a planned walkout went to the students and said, I 100% want to hear your voices on this. I don't want you near the road or in an unsafe situation. So here's what I'm going to do. The gym is yours for the day. You will have anything you want to in the gym, and I will be there listening. But let's come to this compromise. That is beautifully handled adulting right there, I mm -hmm. think. And I feel like that's a great indicator, like everybody Again, it's not yes or no, this or that. There is always a path that balances the interest. The entire Constitution is this careful balancing of the interest. And if we can bring that kind of ethic to this conversation, we will get so much farther. Here's how I feel about adults condescending to teenagers or children or even my, like, three-year-old. Whenever I hear a, well... A, a condescension. That's really what it is. Get it together. Show them how to behave. Blah, blah, blah. That whole feel. I just want to say, like, do you understand how many billions of dollars adults spend every year on the self-help industry? Billions. Literally, none of us are happy with our behavior. Maybe Oprah, and not even Oprah. She's in damn Weight Watchers. Like, none of us are happy with our behavior. So the idea that the adults know what to do and the kids don't is so ludicrous when you can just zoom out and realize that we are all eating things we're not supposed to eat, watching things we're not supposed to watch, spending too much time on Facebook, yelling at people. Like, give me a break. How about... We look around at how hard we're all struggling, give each other grace, and definitely give some kids grace who haven't had as much practice as we have. Like, I cannot deal with that. I just cannot deal with it. Yeah, I think we should put away the in my day. Because oh. the truth is, I never once in my day worried that someone would come into my school with a gun. Mm. And you lived that in my day. And I still didn't worry about it because it wasn't that prominent. There was still this feeling of safety. We can't relate to what high school students feel right now. We can't. I think so the let most, them feel what they feel. I think the most powerful thing that I heard in one of the listening sessions and that I've heard sort of repeated over and over again, this kid stood up and said, I was not born into safety. 
I was never born feeling safe. I was born after September 11th in an age with increasing school shootings, and I don't. I never knew safety. And I just think that is so heartbreaking. Heartbreaking, and that we don't have any idea the impact of this generation who grew up. Post September 11th, during the recession, during this polarization, during a war that's been going on for 16 years, like I just think we don't know the impact of that yet. Hearing it out of their mouths, seeing their reactions to this, has been so powerful. You know, and I am both heartbroken by the way in which they've been failed, and so encouraged and hopeful. By the way in which they have responded, particularly these kids at Parkland, and especially you know Emma Gonzalez, names we all know now, because these kids stood up and said, "I'm not happy with the job you're doing. This is I should not have to live like this. I should not have to live like this." And my favorite thing、um, that's been said in the face of all this ridiculous, stupid. Um, conspiracy theory surrounding these kids is、um, David Hogg, one of the、um, real leaders and the of the group of students. He was the one that was in the closet interviewing the kids as the shooting was going on. He was being interviewed about all this stupid conspiracy theory stuff, and he said, "The only time you ever you're ever doing anything that matters is when people try to stop you." And I thought, "Oh my God, the wisdom coming out of that kid! That is so." Awesome. I'm just. I'm so encouraged. I'm encouraged by these conversations, no matter how hard they are. I know it's going to be steps forward and steps back, but I'm feeling so hopeful right now. I want to talk for a second, earnestly, to our friends in the faith community,、mm. because another thing that I think we're getting both right and wrong at the same time is this sense that more God in school, for lack of a More nuanced way to say that、um, is what is needed. I see that everywhere right now. I hadn't seen it because I had sort of disconnected from Facebook because I pretty well hate Facebook in moments like these. But again, leaning into the suck, I got right back in, and I see it everywhere. We need more God in school. Okay, I want to talk about that. My definition of God, and I hope yours too, is so much. More than a list of commandments hanging on a wall,、mm. or the ritual of public prayer, I would put those two things way down at the bottom of the list of things that I believe God is, and I believe God is capable of existing in a much bigger capacity than what humans can put restrictions on, and I think that that doesn't happen when we take that sort of. Limited and offensive posture. If you want more God in school right now, show up in a loving, compassionate way.、Mm-hmm. If you want to be a better parent to your kids right now, show up in a loving, compassionate way. And sometimes that means, as you were so brilliantly saying just now, Sarah, admitting our limitations and what we don't know. And sometimes it means just not talking. I've been really struck in my personal life over the last week. By how honestly the best love that I show to anybody in my life is through my body, 
It is when I roll over in the middle of the night and put my hand on Chad's back and he's asleep and he doesn't know it. That's the best love I have in me. And my two-year-old keeps having fevers and the best love I have in me is holding her. And here with my mom after her surgery, the best love I have in me is massaging her feet. You know, there's nothing to say or do or fix in these situations. It's just about healing. And our bodies know that better than our brains. Mm. And I think that's God to me. You know, that what that what we're able to give each other without understanding it is somehow comforting. That, to me, is what it means to be connected to something larger than ourselves. And I think that's something that America does need more of and our schools do need more of. And if we could just be that to each other instead of yelling about feeling that we've been attacked, um, I think we can be the God that the world needs instead of just wagging our finger at the world, telling it it needs more God. Mm. I think that is an excellent space to end on. Um, Next up, we're going to talk with Jeremy Hay and Eve Perlman about their new um, dialogue journalism project, which I love this idea. They're going to talk about um, the many and how our listeners can get involved. EarthBreeze Eco Sheets look just like a dryer sheet, but it's ultra-concentrated, liquidless laundry detergent. It's the best of all worlds. EarthBreeze is tough on stains and odors while being kind to the planet and your skin, so it's good for sensitive skin. It reduces plastic waste. All of these things are true and amazing, but let's get to the heart of it. Y'all know I have a laundry system. You know it revolves around training children as young as possible to do their own laundry. EarthBreeze Sheets feels like they were invented for this. Because littles maybe sometimes struggle with those big, heavy jugs. Or maybe you worry about the pods, but here we go. Here we go, y'all. EarthBreeze Eco Sheets. It's like the perfect solution. A child as young as two can handle these sheets. And... Even with toddlers, like you can get them involved. And this is a way to get them helping with laundry even before they could do it themselves. Ugh, God, I love it so much. Right now, our listeners can receive 40% off EarthBreeze just by going to earthbreeze.com slash pantsuit. That's earthbreeze.com slash pantsuit to cut out single-use plastic in your laundry room and claim 40% off your subscription. earthbreeze.com slash pantsuit. We do quite a bit of hosting here at the Silvers household, and I think there is nothing that completes a table for dinner. Like a beautiful loaf of bread and wild grain has made that so simple because they send gorgeous loaves of sourdough bread. Lots of spins on the ingredients, but always just this fantastic, high quality, easy to bake in 25 minutes or less from frozen bread that turns out perfectly every single time. I also have to tell you about the free croissants for life that come with your wild grain orders. And those croissants make the morning, your brunch, maybe your late night snack, flaky and like you're sitting in a French cafe and they're just perfect every single time. That's what I love about Wild Grain. It's easy, it's consistent, it's fully customizable. It is the first ever Bake From Frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisanal pastries. For a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box plus free croissants in every box when you go to wildgrain.com pantsuit to start your subscription. 
You heard me free croissants in every box and $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. That's wildgrain.com slash pantsuit, or you can use promo code pantsuit at checkout. Do you want a bra that's sexy or a bra that's comfortable? Thanks to Third Love, you can have both. Third Love was started to take all the frustration, ick and ugh, out of bra shopping. That's why they make solutions for every bra problem, aka problems. Their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school, get smoothing, you know where, and have straps that actually stay put. Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made from premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. Comfort and support are guaranteed. Plus, whether you're a double A cup or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. They even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit. It's time to get your problem solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get $15 off your order with code PODCAST15. So we are so excited to be here with the team from Spaceship Media. We first learned about some of the projects they've been working on um, right after the 2016 election. They did a really great project called – it was California, Arkansas. Was that the name of it? Alabama. Alabama. Uh, um, they're nice. They're, they're similar. Um, and so they did this really awesome project. We'll let you tell them about that. But the, the team is here, and we're going to let them introduce um, themselves so you can hear their voices. Hi, I'm Jeremy Hay, and I am one uh, third of Spaceship Media and one of the founders. And and I'm Eve Perlman, and I'm I, I guess I'd say I'm also one third. And uh, Jeremy and I founded Spaceship Media uh, at the end of 2016, right after the the election. And I'm Adriana Garcia, and I am the last third of Spaceship Media. I joined in December, uh, and I'm on to project manage the many, which is our latest project. So tell us about the founding of Spaceship Media and then tell us about your new project. We're so excited for our listeners to learn about this. Well, um, Jeremy and I are both longtime journalists. We are working together at a nonprofit in Oakland that covers public education in the state of California. And we, um, in 2016, like everyone else, we're watching the sort of increase in rancor and um, vitriol in, in public debate and the, the tension around trust in media and we we were we we took a moment and tried to think about how we could um, put all our journalistic skills to to work in 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 depolarization. And I'll let Jeremy keep going. Well, yeah, I mean, um, uh, thanks, Eve. We um, were watching this, and then uh, it was obviously, as everybody recalls, the country was getting increasingly polarized, and the polarization was getting louder and louder. And then the election happened, and it didn't go away. It just got um, you know, obviously, right from the, the the day of the election, you could tell it was it was only going to increase. And so, the day after the election, we called um, someone uh, we know in Alabama, 
uh, Michelle Holmes, who's the VP of uh, content at the AL.com, the Alabama Media Group. It's the largest media group there. And we had this fleshed out, not not very fleshed out idea, as Eve described, uh, that we wanted to put to, to use. Um, and so what we did was we brought um, women from Alabama who supported Trump um, and women from the San Francisco Bay Area who supported Clinton together in a month-long moderated Facebook conversation. And we didn't know what platform that conversation would have, would occur on, but we realized we had women in Alabama and women in California, and how are we going to get them together? Um, and so what, what happened was um, that project, we call it Talking Politics, um, created this space where, where people who were interested in thoughtful um, restrained, respectful, a lot of, so much about the kind of work you do. Um, we're interested in this kind of dialogue. We brought them together and gave them an opportunity to talk. And not only do, in our model, which we call dialogue journalism, we don't just give people a place to talk, but we take some time at the beginning to get to know them, to understand their thoughts, their feelings, you know, what's important to them. We have a whole, if you, if you look at our, our site, you can see we have a whole set of um, ways to bring people into a community. Um, and then once they're in a community, we um, support their conversation with facts. And so there's an example um, that I like to talk about that 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 maybe you, Sarah Beth, have seen. But it when when we brought these women together, it was 100% clear that for the Trump supporters, their um, a key reason for their support of Trump was his um, uh, promise to repeal Obamacare. And the opposite was true in California. So the Clinton supporters liked Obamacare and, or Affordable Care Act, however you want to call it. And um, and so what happened is they get into this group and they're all they're all women, they're 20s, 30s, 40s. They're talking about what matters to them and they're talking about health care. And it's, there was just this clear, firm dividing line. Um, and what we did was we we worked with a reporter who looked very carefully at what health care looks like in Alabama and who looks what it looks like in California, right? So in Alabama, um, there's only, you know, primarily one insurer. Costs are rising incredibly rapidly. Out-of-pocket expenses are higher. You know, the women talked about their mortgages in comparison to their health care. There was always considerably more of their health care. In California, which had a different, really different relationship with health care reform, uh, I think it was like it had gone from 16 people being un percent of people being uninsured to 8 percent and and prices were rising less rapidly. So when we, we fed the information into the group and literally it looks like we call it backstack, but it's a, um, a listing of facts and figures really well sourced kind of we think of it as information pared down from like a traditional news story. So just people can see the facts. Look, this is the percentage of people insured in Alabama. This is the percentage of people insured in California. This is what it looks like. And it was this beautiful moment that really became, and that happened in the first week or so of the conversation that became the underpinning for trust because the woman could look at the information. They could trust us because it was carefully reported, well-sourced, not spun in any way. And they could see why people in Alabama would not like the Affordable Care Act. And the, and the women on the other side could see the same thing. And so for us, that's sort of a key way we work, how we engage with communities. It's, it's taking our journalism, our reporting skills, our commitment to providing good information and giving communities the, what they need, and, and then supporting dialogue across difference. People that really have, and you know, I mean, you guys are in the space where you're really doing the work, right? But it's so many times, so many people just don't want to engage or know how to engage someone on the other side. And I'm putting that in quotation marks. I don't know. And, if, yeah. and um, Jeremy might add. Well, I would just add that, that to, to go back to the beginning in terms of how we bring people into the conversations. And it's one of the reasons we're such fans of your guys' work is that 
is that the reason we ask all these questions and try and get to know people a little bit is that we're interested in people and we want to let them know we're interested in them as whole people, not just as like symbols or representations of a particular, you know, voter. Um, and uh, and so that um, and I think that came out in the, and as Eve likes to say with the Affordable Care Act example that came out there because people realized that other people in the conversation that they were different had different opinions with had had really different experiences but they were still wrestling with the same kind of things that everybody wrestles with costs of care and uh, availability and 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 uh, uh, and each side really realized that the other side in quotes wasn't crazy you know uh, and that was a key um, moment in the conversation. <clears throat> And so, go ahead, Sarah. So tell us, I, I mean, the the takeaways from some of the journalism that happened as a part of that conversation was so great. And I know you said that the women, many of the women continued relationships after the project was over. And so tell us how this has led you to this moment, what you decided to take from that experience and turn it into with a new project. Well, um, the women did go on to talk uh, to form their own group, and it's one of the most satisfying and like happy stories that we have because, you know, a year and a half later, um, you know, some uh, about two thirds of the original group formed this second group of their own, and it's a private group. We're not involved, but they keep us updated. Well, they formed it right after, but they're still talking. Yeah, yeah they're yeah. still talking. They formed it right after the, our that first group ended, they formed it right after, and they're still talking about some of the most difficult, you know, Charlottesville, they're talking now about gun control, I mean, all the issues that have really been still so polarizing, they're still, and they're not easy conversations, and that mm-hmm. first, and that, <laughs> and that first, you know, and they're not easy for the women in the group still, and, and that first group had a lot of passion, and there were really difficult moments, but the point was, to us, and to those women, is that they continued to talk, they didn't just slam the, Facebook down and the mm-hmm. phone down and then not come back. And, um, and so, so in the year since we've, um, done a whole bunch of, I think seven or eight projects now where we brought people together across difference. So we did a project in California with a media partner that brought people on either side of the immigration conversation together. And we, we worked up in Seattle with the Seattle times, a project around, um, uh, parents of students of color, um, and teachers sort of trying to get at the, the, uh, the achievement gap. So we've had a kind of crazy year, but in the back of our mind was, was how do we do something like this Alabama, California dialogue, uh, a a little bit bigger. And so we, we hatched this plan. And, um, so we started talking about this and, um, trying to pave the way for it in, um, the early summer of last year. And really what it is, is that first project, Talking Politics, the California-Alabama Conversation, uh, writ large. So, um, uh, you know, we, um, it's going to, and it's different in that it's going to be a sustained conversation for a longer sustained conversation. It's going to go through the midterm elections. Um, It's going to grow, uh, it's going to be national rather than just uh, one state to another, um, where uh, our hope is to grow it to about 5,000 women. Um. And we hope really that, and, and it's going to be the same, um, you know, principles of, uh, you know, it's going to work the same way. It's going to be a, a closed Facebook discussion that will be moderated. We'll have, we'll be reporting uh, information into the group, working with media partners to bring, to bring stories out of it. Um, and what we really hope is that as the midterm elections grow, I think we all know it's going to get louder and louder and nastier and nastier, the, the, the rhetoric around the country. 
and and I mean we hope not, but I think it's a pretty good bet that it will. And what we're really hoping is that this will help demonstrate, you know, be, will be one way of demonstrating that Americans can do it, you know, can actually do it, that we can actually have a civil, respectful, you know, passionate conversation across difference. Why are you focused on women as the participants? Well, we, thanks for that question. We we have a, a couple of, of thoughts around it. You know, the first is that, the and you guys know this well, and I'm sure your audience does, that, you know, women are, are very often subject to trolling and, and real negative um you know, feedback online that's that's really well documented. And, um, you know, another thing that um, that uh, most or if not every woman knows is that, you know, when there are men in the conversation, they get they, they, they're louder usually. <laughs> and they, you know, they they they, they talk over um, women. They um, they have a really different style. Um, and we also know that women form. And so we, we wanted to make sure that that didn't happen. And, you know, women are 50 percent of the electorate. And, 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 and there's, we, we, we want to know uh, and create a space for women to discuss, you know, the most important issues that are going on today. Well, um, I mean, I think that that was such a huge part for why we did this podcast. Right. And um, I think it is hugely important to for, provide a space for women to engage in politics without feeling um, like they're going to be attacked or trolled. I think that's that's um, really valuable. Beth has a great um, analogy when she talks about the way people email us. That men often email us in a very ins- with a very instructional tone, right. and women often email us with a very invitational tone. And so um, I think that that's great that you're providing a space for that the the invitation to collaboration. One of the things that we also um, no, uh, from 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 research and and uh, and that we've also seen in action is that you know, women are very often um, more prone to uh, building uh, community relationships. And one of the things we're doing is that many, although you know, it'll be a large group, five thousand women, hopefully, that it's got to spread beyond that. You know, the kind of conversation that takes place there, and there's lots of different efforts going on, of course. And what we hope is that, and what we hope, and we're really eager to see if this happens, is that if if women in the group will start to bring the kind of um, conversation that takes place in the group outside the group. Mm-hmm. Very much like what you all are up to. I mean, it's really where our work is very parallel. So tell us how you're going to get the participants for the group. For the group. Well, we're hoping for your help with that. We're 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 hoping that any of, of, of your listeners who are interested in being part of this conversation um, would go to our website. We're just spaceshipmedia.org, and there's we call this conversation the many, um, and they can read a little bit about it. And um, then there's a link to to fill out a little form that just lets us know about who they are and where they are. Um, uh, so we really would be eager for for folks to join because you know one of the things we found in doing this work is it's it's um it's not for everyone you know the, sort of the key for us as a starting place is is an interest in and a willingness to engage meaningfully right like there's some people who are on on all on both sides or you know who are too angry or too frustrated or you you know I've heard you guys talk about this it just can't do it and so this is an invitation to people who want to try who are really curious about the the thinking and thought feelings behind people with different beliefs um and for and for your listeners now who are just thinking about it or who are wondering, well, what does it involve? It's the the very sort of basics are that it's an off the record conversation. Although we have media partners, 
So anybody who's in it, we wanted to provide a space where people could feel comfortable talking, you know, and being candid and talking about their own experiences without, you know, being worried that the next thing that every that the next thing that happens is they end up in the newspaper or on the radio or whatever or on TV. But it is a journalistic enterprise, so um, the people, the women in the group, will be often asked if their comments can be used, but they can always say no or to be interviewed. But they can always say no. It's moderated uh, all the time. It's 24 hours, but there's no obligation to take part. I mean, some people like to listen, and I always say, you know, that um, people who are listening and not really t- are talking, they're part of the conversation too. Mm-hmm. You know, there. Okay, and, you uh, know that for sure. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know that for sure. And so those are the basic. Um, and it, you know, and it's going to go through the elections, and and so that it gives time for people to get to know each other for the nuance. I know you guys are into nuance a lot uh, of of people's positions and thinking to come to kind of emerge over time. Um, and the the women in the the first group who went on to form their own group, they formed friendships. They still disagree a lot, but they formed friendships, uh, and that's something that really matters. Well, I think in the Venn diagram of our listeners and people curious to engage on that level, there's a big overlap. So I'm hoping a lot of people will um, go to your website and check it out and be interested in joining the many. Yeah, we'd love to have them. And it's really anyone. It's young and old. It's left and right. It's libertarian. And and we're interested in voices from all around the country. Everywhere we go, we're we're asking people to to join up. Um, And and what we found, even in the month-long conversation, is that it's not politics, all politics, all the time. Because and who's going to be able to talk all politics from now until the midterm elections in November? I, mean, I hope us. People, I mean, we are. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, they'll they'll. People talked about their kids, their families, their you know, all sorts of stuff, and politics and culture and all that. So it's a really wide ranging discussion. And we hope to have you guys back on um, as the project continues with some insights for how the conversations are going and maybe some of the participants. We're really excited about that. Yeah, we'd love to we'd love to share that with you. It's really always we've learned so much through moderating these conversations and supporting them with information, just so much about the sort of the sincerity and depth and complexity of people's experiences and and how they develop their opinions from them it's been really kind of an honor to get to know so many different people through this work yeah and sometimes people if i could just add one thing sometimes people wonder or they ask us well i I don't you know it's, it's not about changing minds you know people's minds change sometimes but it's really about starting to understand why other people feel the way they do, have the opinions they do, how they get to that point. Uh, and, uh, and, and so it's not about, you know, changing people. Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing that project. And um, tell us again the website where people can check out if they'd like to get involved in the mini. Yeah, so it's spa- we're, we're spaceshipmedia.org. Um, and there's a link at the top to the mini. Um, and they can follow that down and, and click through. And the reason we're asking questions is because we want to get to know you. You know, part of our process is to share the answers back to you. So we don't we don't want to intrude. We just want to understand a little bit about you. So that begins as a starting point for the conversation. So fill out the form. Um, <laughs> and actually, we're partnering with an organization called Civil Politics that does assessment of, of these kinds of projects because there's lots of people working hard to figure out how to bring us together as, as a country, right? And so fill out that form, too. It gives us a chance sort of see where you are in your relationships with people who have different beliefs and it allow us to track if, if anything changes over time. Well, thanks, Eve and Jeremy. Thanks for coming on and sharing with us. 
It's our pleasure. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you both so much. Thanks so we're much. Big fans of what you're doing. We're, we're, we admire all the time. Yeah. Well, good luck with the mini. We can't wait to hear yes. um, updates. Thank you for joining us for another episode. I hope you guys enjoyed our interview with Jeremy and Eve and that you'll check out the mini. And until next week, keep it nuanced, y'all. To support Pantsuit Politics, please visit patreon.com forward slash Pantsuit Politics or rate and review the podcast in the Apple Podcast Player. Thank you to our executive producers, Nicholas, Chad, Tracy, George, and Sabrina. You can find us on Twitter at Pantsuit Politics or Facebook and Instagram at Pantsuit Politics. Dante Lima is the composer and performer of our theme music. You can also hear his work and get more nuance by checking out our podcast on family, relationships, and values, The Nuanced Life.